Early last month, on the Monday following the gigantic January payroll report, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was on ABC's Good Morning America program doing what politicians always do following, the, the, following any type of good economic news. She was taking credit for it on behalf of the Biden administration. But as she was doing so, you could tell this wasn't just the usual politics to her. She appeared displeased, maybe even a little annoyed at all of this recession talk out there in the commentary. Inverted curves, all of that nonsense. So what she said was, you don't have a recession when you have 500,000 jobs and the lowest unemployment rate in more than 50 years. As she said that, you could tell she was reverting back to her old habits as a Federal Reserve person, chairman, but really as a mainstream Keynesian economist. She further followed that up with, what I see is a path in which inflation is declining significantly and the economy is remaining strong. That was the politics. That was the Goldilocks part. As any politician of any party will do after a big jobs report, they will pee down your back and tell you it's rain. But the, early, the, the way that she couched that, the way she framed this Goldilocks scenario, you don't have a recession when you have 500,000 jobs and the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. Now, you have to give her credit to start with because she didn't just point to the unemployment rate. She also threw in the 500,000 payrolls, which I just did a video recently on why you shouldn't trust the payroll numbers, especially in the early stages of recession, because as it turns out, payrolls can look good when the economy is doing anything else but be good. But what about the unemployment rate? That's what we should look at now. Is the unemployment rate some kind of defense against economic weakness? Or more, more specifically, does it represent the type of labor market that is strong enough to hold an economy up from all of these negative recessionary forces? Is that how an economy actually works? We're going to find out today. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you're interested, monetary, macro, all of that stuff, we've got research subscription, including a daily briefing that I do in partnership with Markets Insider Pro, Mr. Stephen Van Meter over there with Tracy Schuchart, and a daily deep dive analysis I do at Eurodollar University, where we dive deep every day into these topics, including not just macro stuff, but money stuff, history, the implications of what's going on today to, so that we can understand tomorrow. And we have Eurodollar University memberships available where we get into the background. What is money? How does it work? How does it work in this modern Eurodollar system? What is fictive currency? All your answers at Eurodollar.University. So as Yellen said, we've got 500,000 payrolls and we've got the unemployment rate the lowest it's been in 50 years. So does a low unemployment rate tell us that the, the labor market is so incredibly strong and tight, there's absolutely no way it can go into recession? Or, I mean, at the very least, it's not likely to go into recession because the labor market represents underlying fundamental sources of strength that are not easily dissuaded by whatever recessionary shocks happen to come along during any period in time. Well, this is why she threw in that 500,000 payroll qualifier, which we'll come back to at the end, because she knows as an economist, as a student of history, for whatever faults Janet Yellen has, she is an astute uh, historian of macroeconomic history, 
And as she well knows, low unemployment rates are not necessarily any sort of defense against the recession. Because there are any number of examples where you can see the unemployment rate falling lower and lower and lower as a recession begins. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a perfect example here. In June 1953, the unemployment rate, according to modern estimates from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, hit a, a record low. This is a record low that still stands today in more than seven decades of data. June 1953, the unemployment rate uh, fell down to 2.5%. Ultra-tight labor market. And remember, there was not much inflation in the 1950s that wasn't attributable to supply shocks in the government. So we have the ultra-low 2.5% unemployment rate, June of 1953. And when you know it, if you look back in the NBER's records of recessions, the Business Cycle Dating Committee, they tell us that the recession of 53-54 began in, yeah, July. It says right here, July 1953. So the very month after the lowest unemployment rate on record, a recession began. And that's not the only one, um, one that's maybe a little bit more familiar to people my age. In 1990, the unemployment rate after the great inflation throughout the 80s had been around 5%. In fact, some of the best rates, unemployment rates in the 1980s had been 5%. I think it was in 1989, the unemployment rate ticked up a little bit from there. And then throughout the early part of 1990, the unemployment rate came down a touch so that by June of 1990, it was back at 5.2% looking like, hey, the labor market's doing really well relative to what's, what's common in the 1980s. Except that low of 5.2% in June 1990, as the NBER data says yeah, right here, the recession, the SNL recession, not the Saddam recession, the SNL recession began in July of 1990, the very next month after hitting a low 5.2% recession begins. So that, again, that's why she threw in that 500,000 uh, 500, job qualifier there because she knows the unemployment rate by itself doesn't give you much cyclical protection against the unemployment or against the recession probabilities. And that's because the unemployment rate by itself doesn't necessarily represent what we're, t what we're led to believe it does. And what we're led to believe it does goes back to a fellow by the name of A.W. Phillips. And you probably already heard, know where, where I'm going with this because A.W. Phillips studied British, uh, British data, British macroeconomic data, and posited a short-run correlation between employment and wage rates. And what he said was essentially nothing more than that. He didn't, he didn't say there was any causation, he didn't talk about inflation, but just that when there was a lot of competition for workers, it seemed that the price of work went up. That's really all he said. But along comes a couple of mainstream neo-Keynesian economists. Well, they weren't neo, but they were neo back then. A couple of fellows by the name of Paul Samuelson and Robert Sola. And they published a paper in 1960 titled, I love this, Analytical Aspects of Anti-Inflation Policy. And this, this, uh, this paper built upon the works of Mr. A.W. Phillips and posited an exploitable trade-off between levels of employment or really unemployment and consumer price inflation. Um, as Alan Meltzer wrote in his History of the Federal Reserve, the Phillips curve was an empirical relation with no formal foundation. 
but it had great appeal and moved with remarkable speed from the economics journals to policy process, in large part because of Samuelson and Sola, who were not only influential economists, Samuelson in particular would go on to work with the Kennedy administration and sell this exploitable Phillips curve idea far and wide, which centers most of macroeconomic um, analysis as well as prescriptions about what to do uh, in, in uh, about certain situations. All of it centered on Mr. Phillips, not really Mr. Phillips, but a bastardization of Phillips's idea of an unemployment rate trade-off. So the unemployment rate becomes central a central focus to modern economics, largely through this work. So the, the, the real example here that I want to show you that really goes along with what we're talking about, Janet Yellen, low unemployment rate, even the payroll reports, all this stuff about recessions and the labor market data, it's really the one that she was comparing to. When she said that the, labor, the unemployment rate had fallen to a 50 plus year low, what she was comparing to was the late 1960s, the last time in the United States outside of 2019, when the unemployment rate had gotten down to around three and a half and now 3.4%. The unemployment rate in 1968 into 1969 was likewise 3.4%. And then toward the end of 1969, it ticked up a couple tenths of a percent. And then in November 69, it fell back to three and a half percent. So we're at three and a half percent modern un uh, unemployment rate, at least according to the modern estimates that the BLS produces today, that says the unemployment rate in November 69 is the same as it is in January and probably February. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see uh, next week. It, uh, early of 20, early 2023. As the economy was starting to show signs of weakening, Policymakers looked to these labor market statistics and said, well, the economy, we're starting to see capital spending soften. Consumer spending is good, but it's softening a little bit too. Sentiment is becoming a little bit negative, but we see the unemployment rate that's gone up a little bit and then come way back down again to the point that it's 3.5%. So this is, I'm gonna read you a quote here from the Federal Reserve's November 1969 policy meeting. This is a memorandum of discussion. They didn't have transcripts back then. So it's basically a summary of the policy discussions amongst the voting members. Here's what it said. Labor continues scarce in most markets. And while there may have been some modest easing of this scarcity, the reported unemployment rate probably exaggerates the extent of this development. Thus, it remains very doubtful whether the slowdown will be substantial enough or last long enough to make a serious dent in the problem of inflation. I know what you're thinking. Did Christopher Waller say this? Did this come out of the mouth of the current hawks at the OFMC? Is this part of a Jay Powell February 2023 speech? It is nearly identical and for all of the same reasons. We're looking at the unemployment rate. It's 3.5% back then, 3.4% today. We think that it tells us the labor market is incredibly tight. Therefore, we're looking at weakness in the economy, but worried that the labor market is entirely too strong for inflation. They believing the A.W. Phillips trade-off or the exploitable Phillips curve trade-off from Samuelson and Solaw, that inflation was a reflection of wage competition when in fact it was money. So all of these things that they were looking at in 1969 are exactly what we're looking at in, in uh, 2023. Again, this sounds almost like it was written from somebody 
exactly today. And let's go forward one month to December 1969. So again, the FOMC meeting, December of 1969, memorandum of discussion. Practically all of the signals being given off by the non-financial economy suggest that interest rates should be a rather convincing downtrend by now. As Mr. Wernick pointed out, indications of current and developing weaknesses in the economy are widespread. Indeed, it may turn out that we are in a mini recession right now without knowing it. Well, as it would turn out, it was not a mini recession. Again, going back to the NBER, look, the dates here tell me the recession of 69-70 began in December of 1969. Once again, the unemployment rate, tight labor market, prevent, pre, uh, ends up being no comfort for those, think, those thinking the, the labor market is tight and strong enough for the U.S. to avoid recession. But that little part at the end there, or at the beginning of that second quote in December of 1969, that's where the similarities end. Because up till now, we've got the low unemployment rate, we've got signs of a slowdown, even economic weakness that turned out to be a full-on recession in 69 and 70. But the financial markets, bond curves, yields, at that time, the yield curve was not, it was doing things that were the opposite of what we would expect in economic weakness. The 10-year U.S. Treasury rate, for example, got above 7% and then started moving toward 8%, even as signs of economic weakness were coming in from all sides, apart from the labor market data and the unemployment rate. As he said, um, as the member of, member of discussion says, uh, interest rates should be in a rather convincing downtrend by now, but they were not. In fact, the 10-year treasury and long-term treasury rates would continue around that high level throughout most of the 1969-1970 uh, recession. In fact, it wouldn't be for a full year, almost the end of the recession, around October, September and October 1970, that yields finally backed down a little bit dipping under 6% only in the early part of 1971, but then rocketing back higher again. That's the key difference here. Even though we've got consumer prices today like they had consumer prices back then, the market was telling you that in 1969-1970, this was the early stages of the great inflation, which is why bond yields refused to go down in the face of economic weakness, because as Mr. Fisher, Mr. Irving Fisher had shown over a century ago, Bond yields can be decomposed into growth and inflation expectations. The inflation expectations in the marketplace were rising at that time. Contrast that to today, we have weakness in the economy. We've got the low unemployment rate. And economists, once again, and policymakers at the Fed, fearing that it will be to provide too much of a, a boost to inflation in the economy so that inflation will continue to be a problem when this time... The marketplace tells you, nope, it's not inflation, it's something else entirely. This confusion uh, for economists would continue throughout the decade of the 1970s, of course, because they didn't understand what was going on in the monetary system. In fact, by the end of the 1980s, they completely gave up on money entirely. Thus, Eurodollar University exists to fill in that gap. In August of 1971, in light of what had just happened, which was a substantial recession in the economy, despite its beginning with a very low unemployment rate, 
many policymakers, including Federal Reserve Chairman Arthur Burns, had expected, well, we just had a nasty recession. That will take care of our inflation problems. But as the bond market and the bond yields started accelerating in 71 again from an already high level, there was already the idea, as consumer prices were coming back up too, as Mr. Burns expressed in front of Congress in August of 71, they didn't know what was going on here. As he said, a year or two ago, it was generally expected that extensive slack and resource use, such as we have been experiencing, would lead to significant moderation in the inflationary spiral. This has not happened either here or abroad, Eurodollar money. The rules of economics are not quite working in are not working in quite the way they used to. No, 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 no. The rules of economics were working just fine. It's that economists and policymakers had been dazzled by other work that wasn't about the rules of economics and started to believing in fantasies and fairy tales rather than actual actual uh, behavior, fundamental behavior in the monetary system and how the economy actually worked to be able to diagnose the problem and then fix it. So the unemployment rate meant very little. The, even, even the payroll report in 1969 was sketchy. It wasn't plus 500,000 as, as it was in January 2023, but in late 1969, you had August of 69 plus 297,000, which, I mean, that's 60 years ago or you know 50 years ago. That's an enormous payroll gain. So August is almost 300,000. Then you had a minus 94 in September. You had a plus 207 in October, then a minus 35 in, in November, and 155, plus 155 in December, even though that month was the start of the 69-70 recession. And in fact, the BLS numbers today, again, these are all modern estimates, the modern estimates show that it wasn't really until April 1970 that the payroll reports really started to decline in any sustained fashion. Payroll reports, labor data, low unemployment rate has nothing to do with recession. So the idea that a low unemployment rate is somehow protection against what markets are pricing, the high level of scenarios of something like a recession, is just historical folly. But you can understand exactly why Janet Yellen would do so because as a politician, as a Keynesian, it offends her A.W. Phillips, Samuelson, Solaw deep training that has never ever let go of this idea that the unemployment rate is, the central, is central to all of these things. And just a note, I mean, economists have updated the Phillips curve many times throughout the years because it has led them astray many, many times, including 2019. We just did this, folks. We just went through this. Low unemployment rate didn't produce inflation last time, so you ask yourself what changed between then and now. It wasn't money printing, it wasn't inflation, it was a supply shock of 2020 and COVID. So we've got signs of weakness, we've got a low unemployment rate. What should we make of this? Bonds and history are not on Janet Yellen's side. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, huge thank you to Eurodollar University members and our research subscribers. Until next time, all of you take care.